If you're like most of the people in this room, you can't even remember what you did yesterday. This is actually a difficult task, correct? It's hard, which is crazy because I was just telling someone, I'm like, that reflects our presence of mind, doesn't it? Like the fact that it's only a day later, but when we go back and try and remember the things we actually did, we have a hard time recalling them. We have a hard time remembering. I don't know about you, yesterday, here's one of the things I know I did. I went into the grocery store, City Market. I tried to avoid people. Sorry if you were there and you saw me. Um, I was trying to avoid people because I, was, I had to get home at a very specific time and I was like, I've gotta get in here and I've gotta get out and I've got a ton of things to buy. And so I was walking through and for a while I had in some headphones because that deters people. You can do this. I wasn't even listening to music. They were just in my ears, and I'm just playing the game, you know, like so I don't have to talk to anybody. And then I walk out, and for the life of me, I cannot remember where I parked. I have no clue, and I have a grocery shopping cart filled with stuff. And I stand there, and I'm like, okay, where was it? And I have absolutely no clue. So I take off this direction. And I was completely wrong. I walked all the way back, you know what I mean? And there were enough cars you couldn't go through. And so I'm walking around, I have no clue. And then so I start heading over this direction. I'm all the way at the back. I come down this way, it's not over there. And then I end up going all the way back over, like two more, finally found my car. But presence of mind, difficult to recall some things. You're not totally there. I get it. You can keep filling those out though. Here's the easy, fun stuff. If you want to know what's going on with Mortal Life, fill one of these out before you leave on the back table. Lots of people come up to me and they're like, hey, I didn't get the email, or I would love a reminder the day of. Boom, just put your number and your email on this guy. You can also start checking the Facebook page because there's going to be some stuff. We're going to start ramping that up a little bit to communicate a little bit better for people who are out in the Facebook world. Um, but go like that page and just make sure you follow it and you get <laughs> communications. We have one more May date after this, and then we'll be producing a new card. In the summer months, we're going to be switching from 7 to 8 o'clock. 7 to 8 o'clock. Same days, Tuesdays. Um, there might be a switch up like we do an outside venue, and we'll let you know if that happens, if we decide to meet outside or go somewhere fun or do something <laughs> different. Because we like to change it up in the summer. Yeah? You said switch from 7 to 8. You mean from six to seven? I mean, yeah. we're meeting from six to seven and we're gonna go to meeting from seven to eight. Yes, yeah, sorry. I have a hard time talking sometimes. Hopefully the rest of the talk won't be that difficult. Um, but I wanted to ask a quick question. You don't have to do a show of hands, but I was just curious and wanted to remind you, last time we talked, we talked a little bit about this idea of affirmations. We actually had Foley's back, he's in the room. Woo. We talked about this idea that um, people don't get to hear a lot of times the truth about themselves, like the real honest, good truth about who they are. And I encouraged people to maybe have a homework assignment, which was maybe with a significant other, maybe with the family, maybe with a friend, schedule a time, find a time to actually talk to one another and affirm that truth, that goodness, like between the two of you, or the three of you, or the five of you, or something like that. Just wanted to put it back out there for you, because I'm serious about it. I shared a story just about students, and then also another story about adults, and that we actually wrote down on cards things that were true 
about one another, goodness kind of stuff. And all the students and the adults that I know that have hung on to those cards that still have them. In fact, that night I got a picture from Dan Foley <laughs> when I got home and he had pulled out like all the cards he still has. And you said, you said, I read them whenever I feel down, right? Yeah, like it's something he does. He's not the only person who has cards. I still have them. And like lots of people who go through that experience hang on to those cards because we don't hear that stuff about ourselves enough. Can I just share when I talk Absolutely. about when we, um, we would do a friendship circle at the end of the day and kids would say something nice about somebody? Yeah. It was really sweet. One of the little girls said, um, can, can we go around the circle one more time? It was about her. It <laughs> <laughs> was the sweetest thing ever. One more time. She filled her bucket. And she just said, can we just go around one more time? <laughs> so true, right? So true. Oh, so true. So true. I met with someone last week and we had a conversation and it was kind of centered around some of that. And once we finished the conversation, both of us just looked at each other and we were like, that was so good. That completely set my tone for the day. And at the end of the day, we talked again and we were like, how was your day? Oh, it was awesome. Like it changed our outlook and perspective on the day. What we encountered, what we came up against, Something was different about that kind of interaction that we had between one another. And if you're looking for a time to do some affirmations, here comes Mother's Day. Right? Right? You can, instead of buying a card, why don't you just write something? <laughs> why don't you grab some paper and a pen and you can send that to a friend who's a mother, you can send it to your mother, you can send it to a sibling who's a mother. You can send it to that dad who's playing both roles. You know, like find a way to figure out and speak some of that goodness, some of that truth about someone else and just practice it for someone else. Um, when I was thinking about Mother's Day, I, so I, I'm going to these lacrosse tournaments right now. My oldest son plays lacrosse and it's kind of like punishment every weekend for us because you have to drive really far and you're, you know, you don't have a place to go crash necessarily, and you're just there, and sometimes you rent a hotel if you're that person, which we're doing this weekend because it's in Aspen, and you have to be there all weekend long. And so we were going to this one in Grand Junction, we were like, all right, we've gotta get a hotel room. And we didn't even have the schedule yet, but we were like, you know what, we will wake up early Saturday morning, drive to Grand Junction, get him there in time, stay the night, just that one night in a hotel, and then we'll be fine. And then we get the word back that he's got an 8 a.m. game. And we were like, it's not gonna happen. So we tried to find a hotel really quickly. What we ended up finding was a motel. Um, difference between a motel and hotel, anybody? What? <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> what? The door's outside. So I explained it this way. You open the door to motel and you're literally outside. You're standing outside. You open the door in a hotel and you're still inside. That's how I explain it. Really plain and simple. And my parents were in town for the weekend so we had to get two rooms. And we walked into this room and my parents just started laughing. Because we, we rented this, this motel room and it took us back to this time where we were sandbagging in St. Louis, Missouri. 
And my parents had decided, let's get a group of you and your friends together. There's some flooding going on. Let's go sandbag. And so we get to this place. We're sandbagging. The first thing they tell us is like how to live if the levee breaks and to climb these trees and all this kind of stuff. It was hilarious. And I'm in high school at the time. And we go into this motel that we found that night. And we just rented because there was really nowhere to stay. And it was just taking us back in time to that motel that we were at. And we were laughing about like, this thing that I sat in, and it was like a recliner, and when I pulled it, it fell apart. And we had this TV that was black and white, but like I took off my boots and I dropped them like just on the floor, and when I did, the TV went from like a picture to like a white line. <laughs> and like everything was going wrong in this motel that we were in. But when we were on that trip, there was a road that went into the water. And it went into the water, and I walked into the water because my parents were over here talking, and I talked some of my friends into coming with me, and we just kept walking deeper and deeper into this water from the flood. Pretty soon we were like just up to like mid-thigh in this water, and my parents were pretty far back, and I turned, and I know my mom really well. We've got a lot of the same DNA, and I knew that I could do something that would totally freak her out. And so we turned around, and I'm like waving, and I was like, Mom, <coughs> just waving with my arm up. And she looks, and then we just, I got her attention. Then we keep walking just a little bit, and then I counted to three, and all of me and my friends, we all fell to our knees, like as fast as we could. We were just like, boom! And we threw our hands up, and we screamed a little bit. And, um, and she screamed, too. And that was the best part. And we just stood up, and we were laughing. And we walked out, and the guy's like, hey, have you had your tetanus shot? And we were like, yeah. And then he starts telling us why we shouldn't have walked in the water <laughs> in the first place and what we had all over us at that point. It was nasty. But um, I tell that story because Mother's Day, come, it's coming up. You know what I mean? Affirm a mother out there. Find a way to do it. Practice that a little bit and telling that truth and that goodness. Um, I remember a September not too long ago, almost five years ago now, and I was down in Denver getting beginning um, some artwork on my arm at the ink tank down there. And it was my first session sitting down. And it lasted three and a half hours. And right in the middle, I get a phone call from my dad. And I silence the phone call. And then about 10 minutes later, I get another phone call from my dad, and I silence it again. And then about three minutes later, I get a phone call from my sister, and I silence it. Five minutes goes by, and I get a phone call from my mom and I silence it, and I look at the artist and I say, hey, I think I need to take a break. So I go outside and I call my parents. And my parents had just found out that my mom had stage four lymphoma. And it was one of those moments where life changed in an instant, right? Because there are those moments. And we like to think that those moments are like few and far in between, like that they're not that often, but those moments are more than we think. And those moments when everything shifts and everything just kind of changes a little bit, that can be positive or negative, right? Those can be like great huge things or they can be like tragedies. Regardless, they're transition. And I just want to talk a little bit tonight about the idea of living with intention through transition. We might as well cross out the word transition and just write life, right? Because I feel like life is just one long, drawn-out process of transition. And we like to think it's like this clear, straight path, and the turns aren't that often. But the turns come all the time. 
I feel like I'm at the rec center, right? Like Ian likes to run on the treadmills at the rec center during the winter. I like to run on the track. I'm glutton for punishment up there. And if you run on that track at a decent speed, you are in one constant turn. Like, <laughs> I swear, like it's so ridiculous. You might as well just lean the whole time. And I'm just dying to get in there and go the other direction. But that's kind of how I feel like transitions in life are. It's kind of like you're just leaning. You're ready because that next turn is inevitable and it's coming. When Ann and I had our boys, you would always try and get to this plateau and be like, we've got this figured out. And then right as you're kind of saying that phrase, something else happens and you realize you don't have anything figured out. Like all of a sudden it just interrupts and changes again. So be it positive or negative, Transitions are there, they're coming, they're happening. They're basically life as you know it. All it takes is a moment. All it takes is just one instant and your life can change and you're in transition. Transitions are uncomfortable. Um, I think a lot of people think of struggling. I think a lot of people think of tension. It's just the discomfort, it's the uncertainty, it's the mystery of a transition. And I think there are two real reasons why we dread transition the most. The first being that every transition involves loss. And none of us do loss well. We, we don't like to handle that on any kind of a level. Even if it's like you're leaving one place, let's say you live here and you get the best job of your life. Mine would be in Hawaii. And so, and I would be like a pro surfer because I don't know how to surf at all. So I'm a pro surfer suddenly, this is amazing, and I'm going to Hawaii. It would still be loss, even though I'm tremendously excited about having my dream job and I'm gonna get out of here and I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna do this thing. There's so much loss involved with that. And a lot of times we overlook the loss because that's really difficult. On any level, loss is hard. And sometimes we don't grieve those kinds of things right. And so then transition ends up being this, I'm excited, but I didn't grieve that thing right, even though I'm terribly excited. It's this mixture of emotions and we're not quite sure how to deal with it. But every ending, new beginning. And that's a lot of our life. That's a lot of our life cycle, whether it's jobs or schools or relationships. A lot of endings, a lot of beginnings. There's always loss there, and we should try to pay attention to that kind of period and figure out what can we do to kind of grieve that in a positive way, or at least put words to it or express it. The second thing is this. Um, I think a lot of times we dread transitions simply because they put us in this interesting state where we're not sure what's next, and we have to get a little introspective and go inward and we're not sure what's gonna come, so I'm gonna put the word values on it. Because when you go through transition, you, you ultimately end up asking yourself a lot of questions. And sometimes you're a little unsettled because you don't have very good answers to some of those questions. And you start wondering, okay, so what is next? Or how should I even make that decision? Or what am I gonna do? How, I don't know how this is all gonna pan out. And I'm a little unnerved at what's going on right now. In my own life, I want to tell you just a little bit of a story tonight. Um, Anne went to some of the free yoga sessions. Woo! Who in here does yoga? 
Is it going to be like an overwhelming response? No. Okay, good. Uh, not good, but that makes me feel better. Yoga's hard. I don't know what it is about yoga, but I'm so... Anne went to a class and there were three people at it. And I almost went with her and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't go. Like, that's kind of how I felt. Because I was going to be the guy in the room, like, unable to do whatever's being done up there. And I, I shake a lot every pose I've done. Like, I can't do anything. But she went to yoga, some of these free lessons that were going on. And one of the mantras that was spoken over and over again was find comfort in the discomfort which clearly was probably more about your body. <laughs> but let's raise it to a different level, shall we? Let's raise it to the idea of transition in life. Find comfort in the discomfort. If our lives are primarily comprised of transition, man, we really need to figure out how to find comfort in the discomfort of those transitions, the loss, the, the, the uncertainty, like how can we navigate through that time with some comfort? Little brief history on myself. Ann and I moved to Summit County um, shortly after the tragedy of September 11th, believe it or not. Um, we drove out here in October of that year, and I was in a pair of khakis and a t-shirt the whole way, driving this big U-Haul, and we pulled in and we drove up to this Vienna townhome, and we unloaded the bare necessities that we had at the time, everything that was given to us, you know? And we went to sleep that night, and we woke up the next day, and there were four inches of snow on the ground, and there was no snow the day before, and I thought, oh my, what did we do? And so that began our adventure here, and we moved out here to do and lead a youth program called Summit County Youth. Now, here's what was interesting, though. Before we made the move and came out here, we were just out of college. I had graduated and Ann was pulling like another year married. And so during that year, I worked at Northwest Airlines. Now, I went to school and I majored in Christian education with a minor in biblical literature and a youth ministry certificate. It's kind of a worthless degree, not gonna lie. What it means is I can go to a church and create curriculum for everybody from zero to death. You know, like that's, that's my end game there. That's what I can do for you on paper. That's what I'm good at. That's what I'm qualified for. By the time I graduated and I got that diploma in hand, I decided that I did not whatsoever ever want to work in a church anywhere ever, <laughs> right? So you get your degree and you're like, woo. So then I go to work for Northwest Airlines. Awesome job. It was very cool. Um, really small airport, so you did everything. It was awesome. You got to be the guy taking the tickets, checking you in. I got to be the guy loading the plane, pushing the plane back, emptying the pooper, like all of it. Like, it was great. Now, when I was there, they're like, man, you're a lot younger. What did you, what did, are you just out of college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you major in? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you don't really, I didn't want to talk about it. I quickly got labeled, hey, 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 that's the pastor guy or something. Like, they would call me this. Oh, there's the preacher kid or whatever, just because of what my degree was in. What unfolded for the next year when I worked there 
was everybody had all sorts of interesting questions for me. It was a lot of fun. Like, I didn't mind any of the nicknames, and every time anybody had a problem, they were like, oh, let's just talk to Phil. Let's just sit down. Let's, let's ask questions. Oh, this became really fun. And by the end of that year, I was like, you know what? I really don't want to work like in a church setting or anything like that. I want to like work and, and be able to like share. I feel like this whole God thing, I feel like this whole concept of the sacred and the divine is a lot bigger, you know? And I just want to like be in everybody's real lives and daily lives and not like this like small corner over here. And so we decided, we were like going back and forth. We were like, oh, we might move to Romania. We were going to be house parents of an orphanage. Can you believe that? It was pretty cool. We thought that would be a really nice endeavor. And we actually bought books and started looking at the language. That's a tough language, let me tell you. Um, I'm not even that good at Spanish. So there you go. But we got a call, and we got connected out here to a place called Breckenridge Christian Ministries. And I fell in love with like the vision and this concept of community and this like small mountain town vibe that's out here. And so we moved out here and we took over this youth program. And over time, we actually like ended up being very involved in Breckenridge Christian Ministries and like had our hands in a lot of different things and loved it. I loved it. There's something inside of me, like some kind of hidden values inside of me. And it makes me tick and it clicked with me, you know, but that eventually came to an end transition. And so for the past like three years, Ann and I, have, we're still living here, but we have not known this community or being here in our home apart from Summit County Youth or Breckenridge Christian Ministries. And this huge transition creeped in, and I'm telling you what, it was not easy to navigate. And all of a sudden, I found myself asking all kinds of questions. Like, so what is it that I really do value? Wait, what's like essential? Like, what do I need on a daily basis? Me, not anybody else. And I had a lot of people who popped up at the time. And I love people. I mean, I work with people all day long. Yesterday, I had so many conversations. By the end of the day, I was so spent. And was like, oh, you have talked to so many people today. I was like, I know. But like people energize me. And so people would come up and they would say, oh, Phil, here's what you need to do. You know, you're out of this transition. One of the things I was told was, you, you should move. <laughs> now, it's coming from a loving place, guys. It was coming from a very loving place. They were like, here's what you need. This is going to be a really difficult transition. And um, you probably need to move somewhere and start up what you already did. Do it again somewhere else. Take that kind of newness energy that comes from when you find yourself in a different place around different people and start over. Do that. And so I get to take that little piece of information, you know. I had some people telling me, man, you just need to do something else. Like, you were great at that and everything that you did. However, you should really focus on something else because you're kind of burnt out 
or you're kind of spent, or you kind of need some time to like figure out something else in life. You know, it kind of felt like some, some of those conversations were like, you're not really going to do that forever, are you? <laughs> like kind of talk, you know? And so I got that piece of information. I had someone tell me, you need to start up a business because Summit County is like the land of entrepreneurs, right? You need to like figure out a business, start that sucker up, and you need to design it so like you're in charge. <laughs> but you don't really have to work. <laughs> I got all these like useful tips, you know? It was very interesting. Like start something up, but it won't require like your energy, right? So you can like do these other things that you're passionate about on the side. That was kind of the main gist of it, you know? Have this job, do your passions on the weekend. Um, so yeah, all of these different pieces of advice. And quickly what I found myself saying was like, so who, who do I listen to? And, and I found myself listening to lots of people and trying a lot of different things. And I'm still listening to lots of people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to people, but I am saying at some point you do have to ask some questions that go inside of yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're the person that you always have to live with. <laughs> you know? Like, I've seen lots of people try lots of things, and sometimes drama follows that person because that person's always still there. And so for the past three years, I've been figuring out, man, I've really got to pay attention to some of this about myself. What is it that I do value? What is essential that I must pursue? You know? Because in the end, I kind of like to work, and I like to be hands-on. I like to put my energy into people and to be out there and doing things. So I can't just do the run the business thing. I can't do it. And in the end, like I wasn't really burnt out and, and I wanted to continue to spend myself in certain ways. And so I needed that expression. I went a whole year without speaking and then I spoke again and it was like, publicly. yes, publicly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't a vow of silence. But have you guys heard that joke about the guy who took the vow of silence? Anybody? All right. If you want to hear it, come find me later. I won't tell it now. My dad once told me this joke, and he'll listen to this podcast, so this will be great. But he told me this joke about this guy who took a vow of silence, and he got like a sentence into the joke and couldn't stop laughing as he told me the joke. And he was just crying and crying. And in the end, after he calmed down, we asked him to tell it to us again because we really didn't understand what he said. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. And I'll tell it to you later. Come find me. But no vow of silence. But publicly speaking, didn't do it for a year. Simply because I was kind of reacting and I was also listening to others and I was trying to figure it out. And honestly, during the year, I was trying to do something different. And then at the end of that year, I spoke somewhere. And I was like, forget that. Like, I need this. So here's what I'm going to have you do. Values. It's what's essential. It's a deal breaker. It's, it's crucial to your DNA. The biggest thing about values are you are unique, and your values should speak to that uniqueness. They should be your values. Last time we were together, we talked a lot about this idea of comparison that's out there. And sometimes you're actually living plan B. 
And plan B is okay. Let me explain it though. You're living plan B because you never really sat down and intentionally thought out what your values are, so you're just living by values that were handed to you. Sometimes it's easy to do and you're on autopilot. And then when you hit a transition, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I haven't ever thought about values. I don't even know how to make a decision or what ideas would govern that for me. So plan A is like sitting down and intentionally saying, here are my values. These are what they are. I know them. I've got two. I've got five. I've got 15. Whatever they are. But I believe some of that finding comfort in the discomfort comes from entering a place where it's uncertain, it's mysterious, it feels unsecure, unstable, and you're just kind of like, ah. But you say, here's my values, though. These are going to help guide me. These are going to help me make decisions. This is some of the comfort in the discomfort when it comes. So I'm going to give you some time here. We're going to take a little bathroom break. You can grab some more brownies, grab another drink. Over on that table back there, there's like three questions. And it basically says, hey, what's essential? What must you pursue? What do you value? If you could at least think of one, or if you can think of three, that's great. There's sticky notes over there. I just want you to grab a pin, write a value down, shove it up on this board for me during this like three, five minute break. Is that okay? Like if you have one, I want to know what it is. Don't write your name or anything, but we're going to read some of them out because some of you are thinking, well, I know what some of my values are. What are some other people's values? And then we're going to take it one step further. So feel free right now, grab a drink, say hey to the people next to you, but write down a couple of values for me and stick them on the whiteboard. All right, so I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I had you, I had you fill out that what did I do yesterday because hopefully what I want you to connect the pieces with, and I'm going to send some follow-up stuff by email after this talk, because I know we're not going to get to all of it. I just put that picture up there because I thought it was funny. Um, there's a lot of times in my life, there's a strong disconnect between what I value and what I do on a daily basis, you know? And like, so... And some of you are here thinking right now, you're like, all right, well, I wrote those values up, and then you asked me to write down what I did yesterday. That's not really fair, because yesterday was a pretty boring day, and I worked. And how am I supposed to pull my values in to just a boring, typical, ordinary day? And that's kind of the point. It's kind of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to let those values be something that governs us, and slowly but surely, like, we're able to pull them in and orient ourselves around them in some way during our ordinary, average, typical days. I've had people say, well, um, you know, I value relationships, community. And then the majority of the day, they, you know, spend alone on Netflix. Um, it doesn't connect, right? There's a strong disconnect there. 
Sometimes the things that you value, maybe you, maybe you have questionable things on your yesterday, and it's like you can actually go back and look at them and say, well, I value health, and I also, you know, I like to watch TV. And sometimes TV gets in the way of me valuing my health. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna watch my favorite television show while I run on the treadmill, right? So maybe you're a good multitasker and you can do some of that. You know, there are gonna be things on your daily regimen that get in the way of you pursuing your values. The question is, how can the tasks you do affect or impact those values? Are there ways to align that with one another? Sometimes, like, we as a family, yeah, we sit down and we watch shows together so we can laugh together and we can talk about them afterwards. And that pulls in some of what we value. You know, you don't just have to turn it off. Sometimes there are things you can do like that. If you're, you're gonna eat, try and eat with a group of friends or, or ask those people out or do something that orients yourself around what you value. One quick story, when, when I was in the thick of that transition, <laughs> I went, um, I went to, to BCM and I mustered up all the strength I could that day to go be around people who were gonna ask me questions that I didn't want to answer. And honestly, I didn't know the answer and I didn't wanna deal with the question. I felt like I was at my graduation, my graduating high school party and everybody was saying, what next? Where are you going? What are you gonna do? And like, I was like, I have absolutely no idea. How about that one? And then you had to say it again and again and again. And it was like demoralizing in ways that you can't imagine. And so I found myself there and so I volunteered to go down and be with kids because they wouldn't ask me any of those questions. And I found myself teaching this class and I had to, like I had this curriculum in front of me and so I had to talk about it. And um, I didn't like their curriculum so I tossed it aside. And then I said, hey, do you guys wanna hear about a story? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, what kind of a story? And so they picked out a Bible story. And so I, being the person who I am, I flipped in the Bible to this story because I grew up in the Christian tradition and I knew where it was and so I went straight to it and I read it and as I was reading it, it was ridiculous. But it was this story about Jesus and, and you know, some of his followers got on this boat and they were traveling from point A to point B and they had to cross this like giant lake that they call a sea, but it's a lake, I've been there. Like, so when you can see across it, it's a lake, in my opinion, right? Like I couldn't throw a rock all the way, but I could see. So giant lake. And when they get to the middle, things get sketchy and a storm kind of comes and, and they're really scared until Jesus shows up and tells him to calm down. <laughs> and he basically says, chill out, you know? And I'm reading that story and everything's like clicking for me. Because like, it's never when you're like on solid ground that you're like nervous and, and afraid and, and worried. It's like when you're out in the middle, in the transition, and you're not sure where you're going or how you're gonna get there, that's where it gets really iffy. And that's oftentimes where we need to find that peace and that comfort. And I believe a lot of that comes from us knowing ourselves. I think that's a huge step in the direction of comfort, knowing these values and figuring that out. It's important.
Um, I'm gonna ask you to take those papers home with you when you leave tonight. Because hopefully what you can do is, the tomorrow isn't a literal tomorrow. Think of it more like tomorrow. <laughs> so, if you can sit down and you can say, all right, here's, here's 5 a.m. to midnight. What are some tangible actions I could do that would allow me to incorporate one of the values I thought of? What could that look like in your daily schedule? Because it's about creating a rhythm, a practice, a tradition, a ritual. It's about something that you can do that will actually pull that into reality. A lot of people have this moment. I'm going to, I mean, I have a thing that I just read now. And I read through it. And it kind of is my values. And I try and remind myself of that daily because if I don't, I find myself suddenly playing and living by some other ones. And I'm like, hang on, but that's not, even, that's not what I wanted. It's not what I decided, that's not what I need. So I pull it back, and I've got five, you know, because I can take this guy everywhere and it helps me remember. And so I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Like, it's easy for me to have five. And trying to live a balanced life with all of them, right? Because then you kind of sometimes get to one really well and then the other four neglected. That still doesn't feel good. But trying to find balance in those values. Take that sheet home. See if there are some actions, some simple things that you might be able to do that would pull those values into your life. Somehow, on a daily basis, consistent. It's my biggest beef with sometimes the things we think of. It's like you have to unplug and get away from life to make it happen, and then we get thrown back into the daily monotonous routines that we live, and it's like, hang on. How do we live with that kind of depth and meaning and, and that kind of a value system on every day? I'm going to read some of these. If I can read your handwritings. Here we go. All right. Well, the Screaming Eagles. And it looks like it has priority over everything else. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> if you missed that. <laughs> the Screaming Eagles. Um, values. Screaming Eagles. Commitment to spouse. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Value honesty. Honesty. Respect and understanding. <laughs> I value the 80s. Woo! <laughs> I saw a kid. Uh, went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Highly recommend it. Very good movie. Um, but when I was there, he was standing in line, and he has his pants peg-rolled. I don't know if you know what that is. But like, you roll it this certain way, and you go up, and it gets really tight. And he had them peg-rolled up to here, and he had his high tops on. And I swear, I knew his parents. So I texted his parents that I was standing in line by him. And I swear, I could pull out a picture from my sixth grade year, and we would almost look identical. <laughs> Me and that kid. Unbelievable. Anyway. The 80s. Um, let's go back here. Unstructure of time. <laughs> Jorts. I know who that is. Yes, I see you. Regeneration time. Denver Broncos. Culture. Family home adventure. I value people who I can trust and count on. I value integrity. Nature. Helping others. Honesty again. Screaming eagles again. True friendship. Time where I'm truly happy and happiness. Friendship, respect, and honesty, self-respect, um, equal human rights for all, adventure, friends and family, purpose, supporting my family through health issues in a positive way, friends, 
being there for my family, connection, adventure, family, my freedom, travel, diversity, comedy, jokes, laughing. I value myself, truth, success, communication, striving, spiritual growth, structure, family, education, relationships, friends, family, and romantic. Family first, friendship, friendships to create, I think, maybe. Serving others, growth, consistency, encouraging people to be formed spiritually in healthy ways. Pursue building dance therapy program, value relationships, and uh, alone time. That's a lot of different values from different people. Some of those maybe click with you, some of them possibly don't, right? But in the end, you get to ask the question and look inside yourself and say, okay, so what is it that I value? What are those three things, those five things that I'm going to pursue? Transitions are inevitable. It's essentially life as we know it. You're constantly ending things and constantly beginning. And I think some of that comfort through the discomfort of transitions is going to be you figuring out what it is you value. What bubbles up to the top when you have to ask those questions? And then you might not feel quite as lost in a transition. You might be able to navigate it with a little bit more comfort. It might help through the process. I wanted to end tonight um, with a quote from a book. I was going to go throw two books out for you tonight. Not throw, but just encourage you to read them. Minimalism is a really good book. I already mentioned this one. These guys, you're thinking like, I don't want to read that. They're going to tell me to live in a tiny house or something. <laughs> so it's not it. It's not it. The whole idea of these guys is minimalism. And the idea is, let's reduce the excess in my life so I can focus on what's important to me. Right? And so they focus on five values in this book. Relationships, health, contribution, <coughs> what are the other ones? Passions and personal growth. Those are their five values. And they go through it really just clean and then just kind of write, write, you write through it. And it's amazing to pay attention to what they write in this book. So minimalism, it's a great book about values. The other book is uh, How to Be Here. And a lot of this book centers around what we're talking about. The idea of you being present to your life. And that's like through the transitions. It's all of it together. How to Be Here. And I'm going to close tonight. You know, I end every time with the until next time, friends. And I just wanted to read a pa passage from this book um, to close our time together, kind of as a promise blessing, whatever you want to call it, till we get together next time. And he says this, he says, this day is all we have. We have this morning, this afternoon, and this evening. There's power in the details, power in this moment, power in treating this meal as the sacred gift that it is. Find your rituals, develop your routines, create those practices that ground and center you, and then stick to them. Don't apologize for them. Treat them, even the small things, like they're the big things. Because they are. They're huge. There's power there. 
power in the details, power in the ritual, power in the routines, find comfort in the discomfort, live with intention, not by plan B, plan A. Sit down and think about those values. Take the sheet home, write them out. See what surfaces to the top for you. Are these things all falling down? They're all like not sticking. Um, we're gonna get together in two weeks. Two weeks. And it's gonna be a night that I'm just gonna call story time with Uncle Phil because I've grown really accustomed to saying it and I love it. But I have like five stories that I really wanna share with you about interactions that I had with other people like up until now and I feel like the stories are pretty transformative and there's like certain things you can grab out of each one. So there won't really be a topic as much as there's gonna be five stories that just kind of govern our evening. But anyway, thank you for being here tonight in Mortal Life. You can sign up if you wanna know what's coming up or what's happening next. Um, there's posters back there if you wanna take them up and hang them anywhere. We're gonna do a run through this week and hang them up all over the county and the community. But I really appreciate you guys showing up here. Um, this is something I value, and so I love seeing all your faces and uh, hearing back the stories afterwards. So grab some more dessert if it's back there. If not, stay, talk, or get out of here and go do what's next. But think about what you're going to do tomorrow, you know, figuratively, figuratively. We'll see you next time. <laughs>